At Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, we believe theological education should be confessional. Because of our desire to identify with what Christ has done in His Church throughout the centuries, we fully adhere to the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. This standard keeps us accountable and preserves us from novelty. For more information on how you can receive informed scholarship with Pastoral Heart, check out our website, cbtseminary.org. You are listening to Sermon Select on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Welcome again to CBTS Virtual Chapel. Uh, Bringing the word to us today is Pastor Ben Carlson. Ben is a graduate of CBTS. He graduated with an MDiv uh, back in 2018. He's now uh, one of the three pastors of Grace Reformed Baptist Church here in Owensboro, Kentucky, along with Sam Waldron and Joe Wilson. It's good to be here today to preach the Word of God to you students. Let me ask you a question. What does it mean to be a pastor? What does it mean to be a pastor? When I moved here about seven years ago, a little over seven years ago, uh, I thought I had a pretty good grasp on that question. When I came here, I basically thought that a pastor was a lot like a seminary student. Um, You study the Bible, you read theological books, you sometimes get in heated debates about the finer points of theology, and then you go out and preach the gospel to people. Well, all those things are good, but uh, I came to find out through my studies here at CBTS and through being mentored by my pastors that the pastoral ministry was much, much more than all of those things. I came to find out that being a pastor is the most glorious calling, the most difficult calling, and the most needful calling in all the world. So I'm here this morning because I I want us to consider those three truths about the pastoral ministry. I want us to think of the highs and the lows and the in-betweens of what it means to be a pastor. So If you're already serving as a pastor and you're a student at CBTS, I hope this sermon will remind you of what God has called you to, uh, that it would encourage you, that it would uh, spur you on, uh, and that it would help you to stir up and fan the flame of the gift of God that God has put within your heart and soul. If you are aspiring to the ministry, if it is your desire to be a pastor one day, I do hope that this Sermon helps you to gain a better understanding of what you're seeking after or what you're getting yourself into or what you might sign up for because it's always good to have a sober uh, realization of the task at hand. And if you're just taking classes for general growth in the knowledge of God, if you're not aspiring to the ministry but you're uh, simply wanting to know the Word of God better, I hope this sermon helps you to better pray for and support the pastors that God has already placed in your life. So with those things in mind, let's pray together, and then we'll look at those three points of the pastoral ministry. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you and bless you for um, the gift of pastors. Thank you that when the Lord Jesus Christ ascended on high, He gave gifts gifts 
to men. And we thank you that one of these abiding gifts in the church of Jesus Christ is the gift of pastor. We pray that you would help us now to have a, uh, a sober and real understanding of what it means to be a pastor. And Lord, how we do pray that you would raise up uh, many of these men, all of these men aspiring to the ministry to be a man of God one day. So help us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first, uh, let's look at the fact that the Christian ministry is the most glorious calling in all the world. So now I want us to kind of start off on the mountaintop or the mountain peak of pastoral ministry so that we can truly see just how glorious it is to be a pastor. It is truly the calling of all callings. Nothing can compare to the pastoral ministry in its excellence and glory. So let's just take a moment to think about how glorious it is to be a pastor. First, the office itself is most glorious. It's glorious first because it is sovereignly appointed by God. Now, people can make themselves into a whole lot of things, but there is one thing that they cannot make themselves into, and that is a pastor. That it is God and God alone who makes people into pastors. He's the one who calls them. He's the one who appoints them. He's the one who equips them. It's totally undeserving. We, none of us deserve to hold this sacred office. The pastor's sufficiency does not come from within himself or because of his own resources or talents or efforts, but his sufficiency is from God. God is the one who gifts him with the abilities to be a pastor before he ever gifts the church for that man to be a pastor. So it's divinely appointed. It's something that God does um, on his own to raise up a man and to cause others to recognize the calling that God has placed upon his life. But secondly, it's glorious because it's a highly exalted office. It's a highly exalted by God. There are some pretty high callings in this life. Think of being a doctor or a soldier or a politician or a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Those are some pretty high callings and jobs. But the highest position in all the earth is reserved for the gospel minister. He's the one who deals with eternal issues. He's the one who ministers to never dying souls. He's the one who represents the living and true God in everything he thinks and says and does. He's the one who has been put in charge of that which is most precious in the sight of God on earth, which is the church of Jesus Christ. It is the apple of God's eye. And he's been put in charge to care for and love and serve the church of Jesus Christ with all of his heart and all of his soul. So no calling comes even close to how high and exalted this office is. But third, it's glorious because it is powerfully anointed by God. Pastors are invested with real authority by God to speak and to act on his behalf. So God puts his words in pastors' mouths and he clothes them, clothes them with real power and authority to do all kinds of things. 
in essence, to change the world, to break down and build up kingdoms, to shut and open the sky, to kill and to give life, to save and to condemn, all through their gospel ministries. As Robert Murray McChain once said, a holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God, an awful weapon. And if we look back through church history, we can see time and time again how it was pastors, it was ministers of the gospel who turned the world upside down. It wasn't necessarily politicians, it wasn't generals, it was gospel ministers that God used to change the world. So there is great power and authority that comes in the pastoral ministry. So the office is glorious, but secondly, the work is most glorious. There is no greater work rendered to God and no greater service rendered to men than what pastors do. And the Bible gives us all kinds of analogies to teach us what it means to be a pastor and teach us the work of the pastor, but let me just uh, mention some of them. First, he's a fisher of men who captures souls in the net of the gospel. He is a shepherd who cares for and guides the flock of Christ. He is a watchman over the city of God to defend it against foreign enemies. He is a faithful and wise steward who has been set over the household of God to give the family members their portion of food at the proper time. He is a spiritual father and mother who begets, nurses, and raises God's children. He is a hardworking farmer who plants and waters crops in God's field. He is a master builder of God's temple who lays living stones one on top of another. He is an ambassador for Christ who has been given the ministry of reconciliation. He is a heralder of the King who announces His glorious coming. And He is a fellow worker with God. Those are some awesome analogies to think about the work of a pastor. But in general, Acts 6.4, I think, gives us the perfect job description of the pastor when the apostles say, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So those are the two things that pastors do. They instruct and they intercede. They preach and they pray. They speak to men on behalf of God and they speak to God on behalf of men. Well, I don't think any other calling out there in the world comes even close to glorifying God and doing good to men's souls as the pastoral ministry does. But third, and finally, the reward is most glorious. Now, pastors don't deserve any uh, reward for their work. They don't earn anything. They don't merit anything. They don't deserve anything before God. Like everyone else, even if pastors did absolutely everything that was commanded of them, they still must say that they are unworthy, unprofitable servants. But God has graciously determined to richly bless them in heaven for all of their faithful labors here on earth. Now, it's really quite hard to describe this sort of reward that is laid up for pastors, but the only word that really comes to mind is glorious. It's a glorious reward laid up for pastors. The Apostle Peter talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, when he says concerning elders, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. 
That's the reward, the unfading crown of glory for elders. I think the prophet Daniel also says something, something similar to this in Daniel 12, verse 3, when he says, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Well, have you considered the incomparable worth of being a pastor? Have you considered how glorious this calling truly is? We must hold the office of pastor in the highest honor, in the highest estimation. The gift of pastor is one of the greatest of all blessings God gives to this world. I think Isaiah 52 verse 7 really brings this out when it says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Now, yes, this is speaking about the Lord Jesus, who is the great chief shepherd over his people, but it also has application to his under shepherds, those who represent him and shepherd the flock. They have beautiful feet because they bring the beautiful news of the gospel. Brethren, there is nothing more glorious in all the world than to be a pastor in the church of Jesus Christ. You get to study the word. You get to pray for others. You get to preach a message that the Old Testament prophets and the angels long to look into. What a glorious message we get to preach. We get to labor for the conversion of souls. We get to participate in the building of the church. We get to promote the cause of truth in this world and really make an eternal impact upon this earth. And when it's all said and done, we receive a crown of glory from God Himself. Wow, how truly glorious. As one judicious minister once said, I can think of no work worth doing compared with this. Had I a thousand lives, I would willingly spend them in it. And had I as many sons, I should gladly devote them to it. <laughs> he understood how glorious this calling was. But before we float away on cloud nine, it's really important to consider the other part of the pastoral ministry. Certainly being a pastor is good work, but it's also very difficult work. It's not easy work. The blessings and the privileges of being a pastor come at a cost. It comes at a great cost. It's a glorious calling, but it's also a difficult and fearful calling. And no man should pursue this calling lightly. So secondly, let's consider the Christian ministry as the most difficult calling in all the world. Charles Bridges once said in his classic book on the Christian ministry, Indeed, the difficulties of this work to the considerate, conscientious mind must exclude any expectation of temporal ease and comfort. Many other tracks in life offer a large promise of indulgence. But to this work is most especially linked the daily cross, and in it must be anticipated severe and sometimes overwhelming trials. So we are on the mountain peak, the mountaintop of pastoral ministry. Now let's descend down that mountain and at least abide for a little while in the deep and sometimes dark valley 
of the pastoral ministry. And I want to do this by considering four key things which make the Christian ministry so hard and so challenging. First is this, pastors must have the holiest of characters. I think this is clear in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, teach that pastors must be above reproach in their homes and in their hearts and in their ministries. Now, every Christian should strive to be above reproach, but we know this is especially true for pastors. Since they most represent God in this world, they are to be most like God in this world. So in everything that they do, they are to be a model or a mold of good works, Titus 2.7. And they are to be examples to the flock, 1 Peter 5.3. Now, brethren, this is a good thing. We should desire this. It's good for us to be the most holy of all men. But we're still full of sin, still full of much sin. And so we of all people have to keep a close eye on our lives. And we must strive with all that we have. We must give the greatest effort possible to be a vessel for honorable use in the household of God. So we have to have the holiest of all characters. But secondly, pastors must fight the fiercest of enemies. First, I just kind of alluded to it earlier, but we must mortify remaining sin. The pastor's own heart and soul is what he must fight against most. It's true that pastors are their own worst enemies. We're the biggest hindrances to our ministries. Quoted McShane earlier, but he also said this, The greatest need of my people is my personal holiness. Your whole usefulness depends on this. And not only do pastors have to fight off all the plagues that every other Christian has to fight off, but they especially have to fight off and mortify and kill the sins that particularly tempt them in the Christian ministry. They constantly are wrestling with sins of coldness and deadness to the things of God, of showing an uncaring attitude toward the people of God, of getting entangled in worldly affairs and acting like a hypocrite by not practicing what he preaches, by falling into despair over perceived weaknesses and lack of fruitfulness, rising up in pride when experiencing any kind of success, and leading in a domineering way over other people, and committing any sin that would immediately expel him from office. You know, there's some sins that the regular church member may commit and repent of and be in good standing of the church, or keep his or her job out there. But if the pastor commits those sort of sins, he's immediately disqualified from office and may never become a pastor again. And so we of all people have to be about mortifying remaining sin. But secondly, they must resist the devil. Satan exerts all of his power against the pastor. He truly looks for any and every way to trip the pastor up. In a way, he paints the biggest target on the back of pastors because I think Satan realizes that if he can strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. Right? Jesus even quoted that about himself when he was betrayed. And the disciples fled because he was betrayed and arrested. Well, Satan understands this principle. 
that if you cut off the head, the whole body dies, that if you force the general and the army to surrender, the whole army throws up their hands in defeat. So the pastor must stand firm at all costs and resist the devil because he is going to shoot the hottest arrows at him. But third, they must endure all kinds of hardship from the world. The world hates Christians. I think we're beginning to see that more and more in our own country. But the world reserves its greatest scorn for pastors. They're the leaders. <laughs> They're the ones teaching the people all of these things. And so the world is going to direct all of its hatred at the pastor. Now, this can manifest itself in many ways. Worldly people can have this cool indifference to your ministry. They may say some flowery things about it, but they might say at the end of the day, it's not really for them. They can try to persuade you to let down your guard and be much more open-minded about things. They can pressure you to conform or compromise or capitulate through threatening you. Or they can just violently persecute you. They can do all kinds of things against you. But whatever the case is, the pastor always bears the brunt of the world's hatred. And so, remember, brethren, our ministry to those who are perishing will always be a fragrance from death to death. Unless God changes their hearts, unless God saves them and opens up their eyes and their ears, that's what they're going to consider our ministry is. It's a fragrance from death to death. They want nothing to do with it. And so we have to constantly fight the world. But fourth, and, and this is maybe... The most sad of all of our enemies, we must confront brothers and sisters who are in error. Professing Christians can sometimes be um, or cause the greatest damage to the church of Jesus Christ. And they can bring some of the worst grief to the heart of a pastor. It's like we as a church of Jesus Christ continually shoot ourselves in the foot uh, by internal strife and division and sin and wickedness. But it happens. We live in a fallen world. So if trouble is brewing within the church, the pastor must stand up. He must bravely and boldly stop it at all costs. He may have to use the rod of his authority in all different kinds of ways to silence those who are teaching false doctrine to rebuke gossipers and complainers and grumblers in the church, to avoid those who cause divisions and create obstacles that are contrary to the gospel. Those who sow seeds of discord among brethren, they must avoid those sort of people. And they even have to admonish those who walk in an unruly and unholy manner, sometimes having to lead the church to church discipline and sometimes to excommunication. Again, very difficult, very challenging. The third, pastors bear the heaviest of burdens. You know, pastors are just men. They're men at best. They have clay feet. In fact, they're a, they're a jar of clay. But sometimes burdens are laid upon them that are so heavy that they feel like they're going to burst in a thousand different pieces. These things can lead to the loss of sleep. They can lose, uh, lead to the loss of hair, maybe in my case a little bit. <laughs> or they can lead to the loss of years of life 
or even lead to the loss of your life completely. As was true with the Apostle Paul, so it is true of every man of God. They are daily pressured with anxious concerns for the churches they pastor. This constant daily pressure, this anxious concern over the churches and the people they're put over. So these are heavy burdens. They carry the heavy burden of maintaining a healthy and holy church. They're doing all kinds of things in the pastoral ministry. And they're the ones who are in charge of making sure that the church is in good order. So they're constantly teaching and preaching God's Word. You know, Sunday comes around once a week, and somebody has to preach. You can't procrastinate. You can't push off your sermon or your Sunday school. Praise God if you have a plurality of pastors in your church or you have gifted brothers, but I'm sure some of you don't have that. Or there may be churches that you're in that don't have that. And so Sunday comes around. Every single week you have to be prepared and ready. So you're constantly studying and preparing yourself for the preached word. You're praying constantly for the needs of God's people. You're always promoting unity and fellowship among members. You're preventing divisions and schisms. You're addressing all kinds of problems. You're counseling members through difficult issues. You're encouraging and supporting those who, under trials. You are disciplining unrepentant members, and you're also evangelizing the lost. I, should, I, I could probably go on and on and on with other duties and tasks that you have as a pastor, but these are heavy burdens. But secondly, we carry the heavy burden of helping each member of the church to heaven, not just the, the local church in general, but each and every member we carry this individual burden for. Pastors are to pour themselves out, spend and be spent, and endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So pastors, in essence, have to act like their master and their Lord who laid down his very precious life for the sheep. Pastors must be willing to do this. And on a daily basis, they do do this. They lay down their lives. They take up their cross. They deny themselves so that they might serve the people of God and help them on their way to heaven. So the Christian ministry calls us to totally deny ourselves and again, take up our cross for the eternal comfort and salvation of the people of God. As Paul says in Romans 8.36, As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Right? For your sake, dear Christians. For your sake we're being killed all the day long. For your sake we're, we're like sheep led to the slaughter. For your benefit and blessing. For your eternal comfort and good. For you to make it all the way to glory. Pastors are to, again, endure everything, all things, for the sake of the elect. But fourth and finally, pastors must face the strictest of judgments. James 3.1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. I don't think this is talking about being judged by men, but I think this is talking about being judged by God, that greater strictness of judgment comes from the judgment seat of our holy and just God. Hebrews 13, 17, I think, brings this out more explicitly when it says, 
Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So the work of pastors will be tested by fire on the final day of judgment. They will have to give an account to the impartial judge on how well they watched over the souls that God had entrusted them with. You have to give an account of how they shepherded these people. Right? That's not necessarily going to be true for every Christian, but pastors who are in charge of local churches will have to give that account to God. Now, if this reality doesn't cause you to fear and tremble the past, uh, concerning the pastoral ministry, I do not know what will. I mean, this is the greatest of all challenges, right? We can fight against Satan and our sins and these burdens, but now we're talking about the final day of judgment. We're talking about God's evaluation and whether He commends us or condemns us in terms of how well we did as pastors. It's a heavy, heavy thing to bear. So, have you counted the cost of being a pastor? Pastoral ministry brings with it an awesome and overwhelming sense of responsibility. And I think this weightiness of the pastoral ministry should kill our pride. And it, what it should really do is cause us to fall down and sink down into the dust. It should make us all to feel helpless and insufficient and unfit and unworthy and unprofitable and unable to be pastors in and of ourselves. That we can't accomplish the task of the pastoral ministry in our own wisdom and power and strength because we don't have any. Think about all of these challenges, all of these hardships. None of us have what it takes to be pastors on our own. We don't have the guts. None of us do. I mean, as Paul said, who is sufficient for these things? The answer is no one. Instead, we all need to be like the prophet Isaiah when he had this glorious vision of the Lord. Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Right? Every person aspiring to the ministry and every pastor should say, Woe is me in and of myself. Well, listen to the words of Charles Bridges. Who, whether men or angel, is sufficient to open the wisdom of God in a mystery, to speak what in its full extent is unspeakable, to make known that which passes knowledge, to bear the fearful weight of the care of souls. Who has a mind and temper to direct and sustain so vast a work? If our great master had not himself answered these appalling questions by his promise, my grace is sufficient for you. And if the experience of faith did not demonstrably prove that our sufficiency is of God, who, with an enlightened apprehension, could enter upon such an awful service, or if entered, continue in it? Those are some wise and sober words from a wonderful minister of God who wrote a wonderful book on the Christian ministry. But none of us are sufficient for it. These burdens, these trials, these hardships will weigh us down and kill us if God's grace was not sufficient for each and every pastor. So we should be humbled 
But here's the last thing I'd like to say. The Christian ministry is the most needful calling in all the world. You might be thinking, with all of these challenges, who in their right mind would ever want to be a pastor? Right? It's like you got this, uh, this great prize uh, at, the, at the end of this uh, tunnel, but you got to run the gauntlet in order to get through it, and nobody is ever going to be able to survive that. So who in their right mind would want to run through that tunnel if all you're going to do is get slayed? Well, like I said, God gives grace to His people. He's the one who makes us sufficient ministers of the new covenant. But we also need to think about how needful, how needful this office is in this world. Brethren, it's worth it to be a pastor. If you're already in the pastoral ministry, you know this. It's worth being a pastor. It's worth going through all the hardships and the trials and the difficulties and the disappointments and the heavy burdens. And again, the loss of sleep and hair and even years of your life. It's, it's, it's worth all of it. It's worth sometimes having the death sentence hanging over your head and being led to the slaughter like this innocent and, and weak and helpless sheep. It's worth it. It's worth it because there's nothing more needful in all the world. It is through the pastoral ministry that God does three very vital and important things. It's through the pastoral ministry that God saves sinners. It's through the pastoral ministry that God builds up His church on earth. And it is through the pastoral ministry that God manifests His glory in this world. So let's, uh, let's just climb out of this dark valley we're in for a bit and let's get on a, a smooth and level plane so that we can clearly comprehend and see these three important truths. But I just want to end with these three things. First, God works through pastors to save sinners. God has chosen to save sinners through the preaching of the gospel. So sinners must hear the gospel in order to be saved. But God has not chosen to preach the gospel to sinners by himself. He's not going to whisper the gospel in the ears of people. He doesn't appoint angels and send them out to preach the gospel. He doesn't write the message of salvation in the stars. He doesn't do any of that. How are sinners saved? It's through raising up gospel ministers to preach the gospel to these people. That's how he wins souls for Christ. It's through the pastoral ministry. So it's true that other people can preach the gospel who are not pastors. But ordinarily, God saves sinners through the work of pastors, right? He has specifically and uniquely gifted and equipped pastors to preach the gospel, right? That is their job. That is their duty in life. Those are the gifts He's given them. He has put His words in their mouth and in their hearts, and He is the one who has entrusted them with the ministry and message of reconciliation. So it is the pastor's duty to implore sinners on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God, right? It's our duty as pastors to preach the gospel so that sinners will hear about Christ and believe in Christ and be saved by Christ. So without the gospel ministry, no sinner is going to be saved. Again, God does not do this uh, absolutely by Himself. He has wisely and graciously ordained uh, the salvation of sinners through the gospel ministry. But secondly, God works through pastors to build the church. 
God uses the sun to warm the earth. God uses uh, food and drink to nourish our bodies. And God also uses pastors to build the church of Jesus Christ. This is how Christ, the head of the church, communicates grace and truth to his body. This is how the Lord Jesus protects and uh, helps his people. This is how the Lord Jesus grows and perfects its people. It's through the pastoral ministry. This is how the saints are edified and they grow up uh, in every way um, to look like and to be like their head, the Lord Jesus Christ. So um, just a couple passages that are really clear on this. 1 Corinthians 3 is one and Ephesians chapter 4 is clear on this as well, that it's pastors who plant and water the crops in God's field. It's pastors who build the foundation, build upon the foundation of God's temple. And it's pastors who build up to mature manhood, the body of Jesus Christ. So a church can be a true church without a pastor, but it certainly cannot be a well-ordered church. There are churches out there that do not have pastors, and uh, we need to pray for those churches because they need pastors. Because a church without a pastor is a church that has been built upon unstable, unsafe, uh, rocky ground in this world. They need pastors. Churches need pastors. Fields need farmers to work them. Houses need construction workers to build them. Children need parents to raise them. Sheep need shepherds to watch over them. And churches need pastors to lead them. So this is how God builds His church. But third, God works through pastors to manifest His glory in this world. God is in the business of making Himself known on earth. That's what He's doing. He wants every single person on this planet to know that He is the Lord and there is no other. That's what He's about, making His glory known to the world. He wants to fill the earth with His glory. Now, we know that natural revelation screams out the glory of God. All right, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims His handiwork. That's true. But it is through the Word of God preached by the man of God that the glory of God shines brightest on earth. So as pastors faithfully proclaim God's Word, God's will is made known on earth. God's name is carried before the nations. Sin is restrained. Ignorance is dispelled. Satan is bound. The wicked tremble in fear of God's judgment. Righteousness is exalted. Disciples are made and the world is renovated for the glory of God. So God saves sinners through the gospel ministry. He builds up his church, but just in general, he gets glory. He makes his name known both to those who believe in Him and those who are His enemies. He's all about His glory, and it's through the gospel ministry that we can see the glorious attributes and actions of God on display. So, do you recognize how great a need there is for gospel ministers? You know, there are towns and cities and maybe even entire states that do not have a solid uh, gospel church planted in it. There are churches that are looking for pastors, or there are at least churches that are looking for a plurality of pastors within their congregation. And of course, as we zoom out and we look at the entire world, there are entire people groups who are still waiting to hear the saving news of Jesus Christ. Right? The pastoral ministry is absolutely 
necessary. It's needful in this world. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Right? The harvest is always plentiful. There are sinners all around us, miles away from us, halfway around the world, living in our backyard that need Christ. Well, may God, may the Lord of the harvest be pleased to raise up and send out many laborers into His harvest for the salvation of sinners, for the building of His church, and for the glory of His great name. I really do hope and pray that every man who is studying at CBTS to become a pastor, um, that God makes you a pastor, that God makes you feel the need of the pastoral ministry here on earth, that God, that God would help you to play the man and be courageous and bold, and that God would equip you and make you this great pastor, this great man of God. Because again, it is the most needful, needful calling on earth. Well, just in conclusion, we've briefly surveyed the pastoral ministry under these three headings. It's glories, it's difficulties, and it's necessity. To end, I want to read uh, from John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress when he gives us this great description of a godly pastor. And you know John Bunyan, and we know Pilgrim's Progress well. He does such a good job illustrating uh, these great and, and, and robust and profound truths. And he does that when Christian goes into the house of the interpreter, and he looks at this portrait, and he sees this uh, strange yet glorious figure. Um, and this is the account. But as I read this, I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I want to be like this man? Because Bunyan, in just a few words, tells us exactly what it means to be a pastor. Now, interpreter led the pilgrim into a private room, and there he ordered his man to open a door. Then did Christian see the picture of a very grave person hanging against the wall, and its features were as follows. This man had his eyes directed up toward heaven, the best of books in his hand. The law of truth was written upon his lips. The world was behind his back. He stood as if he pleaded with men, and a crown of gold hung over his head. That's what it means to be a pastor. And that is the incomparable pastor that God raises up here on earth. Well, May God bless His Word. Let's uh, pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this quick survey of what it means to be a pastor, its glories, its difficulties, its necessity. How I pray, O oh God, that You would truly raise up every man aspiring to the ministry here at CBTS to be a man of God. You are the Lord of the harvest, and we cry out to You, and we plead with You that You would do this. For, Lord, the harvest is plentiful. There are so many souls that need to be saved. There are so many places that need good, sound, solid gospel churches. Your name, your glory needs to be made known all throughout the world. So we beg of you that you would, Lord, continue to use the seminary, continue to use our efforts to see the truth of God, the cause of God, the cause of truth to prevail and to have victory over the hearts and souls of men. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
thank you for listening to this week's Sermon Select on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. CBTS is a confessional Reformed Baptist seminary which provides affordable online theological education to help the church in its calling to train faithful men for the gospel ministry. To learn more, visit cbtseminary.org.